Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face And still another hundred miles to my next resting place Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon Within my car I'm all alone But feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to I'm hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. What's shaking bacon? Oh well, Charlemagne's here again today. Charlemagne is here. Hi Charlemagne. Hello lovelies. It's wonderful to be here with you today. It's so wonderful to have you back. So Charlemagne is here. What are we talking about? Well, it's another Wheel of the Year. And she's the only one who can pronounce it, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's pronounced Lunasod. Or Lamas, for short. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, but if you saw how it was spelled, it was like, it's like trying to pronounce a a city in Massachusetts. It just, there's letters there that aren't being used. It's, it's an interesting one, for sure. You know why? It's a Celtic word and the Gaelic. So the Gaelic, there's letters that are pronounced differently. This is an older word from that time about the celebration of the god Lug, who is a solar deity. So right off the bat, I have a little info for you. Lugnasad is the celebration of the god Lug. And why are we celebrating him? So Lugnasad is a solar deity of the Celts and a harvest god. And so Lugnasad is the cross quarter between summer solstice and autumn equinox. And it is the time of the first harvest, usually the fruit harvest and the early grain harvest. Unless you live in Richmond. Right. Or any number of other places. But yes, we recall that (laughs) (laughs) this is based on calendars. Yes. (laughs) Right. Based on the Celtic calendar, um, we're looking really at um, the beginnings of the harvest season. So if we remember that the solar peak is at summer solstice, all of the things that are really flowering then are fruiting now. And so some people call this the holiday of the first fruits. Um, it's the beginning of the gathering of um, some of the wine grapes, if you're into that. And um, certainly the full moon that comes close to this is often the strawberry moon. So another kind of reference in the Native American on this on this land was sometimes referenced as the strawberry moon, the summer moon. So uh, Luke uh, looks at the transitional mysteries also of sacrifice, thinking about Back to the references of the solar god being sacrificed at the height of the year, the solar year at summer solstice. We're now in that place where everything that we harvest is a bringing and it's a reaping, right? And so the very beginning of that, we feel like it's very festive and it truly is. We just had uh, in North America, Independence Day festivals. And there's many other traditions that have summer festivals at this time that are about fertility uh, being having proper things to fruition, right? So all those early spring fertility festivals now are giving birth to something. And so generally are we in our work, in our magical work, in the energy of the season of the year, all the things that we're seeing that have 
blossom to look at your fruit trees if you have any. Often, many of them now are fruiting. So this is a time where there's still a high energy because it's still technically summer. And these are many people refer to this as the dog days of summer. The star Sirius, which is the dog star, is visible in the sky. That's also part of how this season got that name. And in the seasons, it's really kind of unique in that it's more languid. And yet uh, there's still a feeling of high energy. If you think about the summer, we tend to, I think since the time we're kids, many of us think of it as the vacation time or the time where there's a lot of joyful energy. It's not as, um, it's labor intensive if it, if we want it to be. And at the same time, there isn't that feeling of desperation and hurry that we often feel in spring, hurry to get the things in the ground, pay very, very close attention, make sure you're nurturing and watering everything. And while some of that is going on right now, energetically, it's also not the same hustle we have once we really hit pure autumn, which is bringing the harvest before the fields, you know, become too heavy and burdened. Be sure that you do it before everything gets too cold and freezes. So again, this is this more relaxed time, a time of fullness, celebration. And the god Luke, this solar deity, was also about treasure. So if you think again about the fields of gold, the expression fields of gold, we're beginning to see the goldening of the wheat, the grains, and it's also sometimes called loaf mass, which is the bread. So one of the traditions of Lamas is bread making and offering bread as a sacrifice. And very commonly, what you'll see is two forms of, we don't like to think about it as human sacrifice, but it's, it's uh, symbolic, which is people would make bread men or bread people and also make corn dollies which are made from the shafts of both wheat as well as the ears of corn, the, uh, the husks of corn. And they were symbolic about more fertility and things we would be wishing into the world. We sometimes offer a corn dolly as a sacrifice to fires at Lamas is another festival where we do sometimes see traditions of fire and fire dancing and late nights at revelry, which is great, of course. Well, and the the languidness that you were talking about, just going back for a minute, um, makes perfect sense as well because it's freaking hot, and you don't want to hurry anywhere when it's freaking hot, right? So it's it's also a reflection of the temperature that's happening at the time in many places, although you know not as much in the the Celtic lands, but definitely here in Richmond, it's you know or it's. 80 degrees by the time it's nine o'clock in the morning. And so you're just like, and the humidity is high. So you're just like, I'm not going out today. I am tired. I'm going to sit and watch TV, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of that. And, you know, one of the things that's happening right now is that everybody is toast from the pandemic. And so I think that that energy is being expanded upon right now in the world. Is there anything going on astrologically that would account for that? Ooh, well, let me make sure I'm understanding you in terms of when you say people are um, expanding into that. Are you saying there's like extra revelry, extra fat, extra? No, there's extra exhaustion. Oh, there's definitely extra exhaustion for sure. However, what we are seeing right now is two things that are really interesting from an astrological standpoint. So you asked the astrological geek. So I will give you the uh, short version of that. So, you know, we all know about Mercury retrograde, or many of us do, because we really feel that, because it's a short-term, generally a three-week period of time, and I did speak about that a while back, where we are really sent into review, where things are often not moving forward as quickly in terms of our communications, in terms of 
literal transportation and literal moving forward. However, right now, four of the outer planets are in retrograde. And unless you're an astro geek, you would not know that. So Jupiter, Saturn, um, Neptune, and Pluto are all retrograde and will be for the next two months, almost three months. And that is impactful, sincerely impactful. So for those of you who are trying to expand and grow certain things, your Jupiter is so much about that, how that's impacted. Jupiter, normally we would be expanding, growing. It's a planet also of luck, of law, legal actions, uh, various types of things. And Saturn is the contractive planet, looking at boundaries, structures. Sometimes you think of Saturn also as rigid. However, I spent a whole bunch of time with your moon circle group talking about the benefits of Saturn as a positive force in our lives that helps us through structure to find our freedom. So when you've got those two things moving in a backwards motion, sometimes you have to revisit both the places you want your growth, as well as what holds that growth in place in safety and safe containment. So this is the super short version of that. And then having both Neptune and Pluto running retrograde, you might want to really take a good look at what is dying to be reborn or what really needs to be let go that maybe you're struggling to let go. And that Neptune sometimes is about patterns of addiction, deep, deep, deep well of emotion, um, also illusion. And so there can be a lot of fantasy. So when we're talking about people being burnt out, a lot of people's expectations for where they would be at this time are really having to be rewritten. So for example, places they'd hoped they were expanding are not so much right now. And that Jupiter retrograde is really being felt for those people, even subtly. Same with all those other things. So places where you're hoping maybe there's more of a foundation because Saturn's retrograde, you may be finding it's not happening, or you may have to dig deeper to find that foundational supportive energy. So these are just touches on that, you know, and how, you know, that goes to the question you asked. So back to llamas. So we now knowing these things about our astrology that we're dealing with right now, right? And knowing that we're going into Lamas and Lamas is on usually August 2nd. It usually falls between the last days of July 30th through uh, August 2nd. So usually in there is called Lamas Tide in many of the traditions. And you'll see several of the fire festivals happening the night before. And then a lot of bread baking or making of uh, bringing in the wheat and lots of bringing in the fruit you'll see a lot of people begin their processes of making their preserves, canning, lots of things. And again, in some places it's too hot, but again, if you were in the Celtic lands, it would not be. And you'd have all this beautiful bounty. And the other thing about that was, of course, you'd want to preserve that bounty. And if you had a wonderfully good harvest or the fruit, you'd want to be bringing it in if it's super abundant before the animals and birds got it. And you'd you'd wanting to preserve it for the cold months where you wouldn't have it. And so then that taste of beautiful, sweet summer fruit that you'd saved is lightening of the spirit in the dark months ahead, for example. For example, yes. Um, this is also, though, a time that's kind of interesting to think about the folklore and the songs and rituals of, of Lunasad speak of the struggle between the old gods and the archetypal forces kind of at play. And you see a little bit of that liminal threshold of the beginning of Samhain, which is the next of these cross-quarter holidays and the understanding of sacrifice, again, of the the solar God to help us bring in the harvest, where that idea was that his body was 
gifted to the earth. His blood was gifted to the earth in the hopes of a good harvest. That's one of the lesser known. Again, we don't like to talk about the human sacrifices of the older traditions, but that was certainly one of them. And we have an interesting, for those of you who are movie buffs, an old movie called The Wicker Man starring Christopher Lee, which I highly recommend as it goes very deep in a really interesting and actually rather well done way about a little Celtic village that has some traditions that are a little less than mm, appealing to the average folk in terms of the ideas about sacrifice. I highly recommend it. It's, it's also fun. It's good fun if you like your campy movie. Yes, the campy horror movies. Campy horror. Oh, yeah. Semi-horror. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what you're looking at also is a changing of the light because that's what's happening. And it's subtle now as we went from that solar height is the very beginning of the lessening of the light. And we're not necessarily feeling and experiencing it because the days do seem long and the hot is hot. And we're getting closer to that other true quarter of the autumn equinox in late September. Then we're really seeing and feeling the difference when now we're that, that moment having equal day and night and this ebbing of the solar light is beginning right now. So it's almost imperceptible, but as soon as we hit the the last part of August, we're going to notice it. My least favorite part of the year, for sure. Really? I I adore going into fall. It's my happy place. So I'm all about the fall because the summer is so miserably hot. Yeah. But yeah, midsummer. See, what's interesting is that midsummer in my experience of it is right around this time, right around August 2nd and 3rd. But, you know, they call it midsummer when you're in June, which is just the beginning of the heat. Yeah, Yeah. which is really just the beginning of the heat. So it's kind of a weird dynamic there that the sun is going away as it's getting hotter. The summer solstice was just this thing of the height of things. So I think they ended up Another really interesting movie. The modern world has given us some interesting movies. Just I think it was a year ago or two years ago, we had a movie called Midsummer, which is in some senses a misnomer, but it is about this sort of pagany horror. Another pagan horror movie for you all. And this festival, which takes place that these people, modern people go to. Part of what we're looking at is the, the solar cycle is also about the height of healing and growth. That's part of it. We're really seeing that speeding up of that process at what we think of as solstice. And so I tried to just ignore like, okay, it's cold midsummer, but whatever. Um, thinking about the light and the solar deity for Luke as also a healer, right? A growth, a healer, a place of looking at the world and embodiment, our own embodiment. When we're warmer, right? We can feel, even though for some of us it's too hot, but we're really feeling our bodies. We're also, there's more light and more time to be active. The days are longer just lovely. There's an integral kind of feeling of earthiness and wholesomeness about all of the things that are available to us. Also, just from a food standpoint, we have the most variety for those of us who uh, enjoy all of the forms of the culinary arts. This is an exciting time. And so again, as harvest cultures, where many of these traditions come from, there was lots of festivities between summer solstice and autumn equinox that were all about agriculture. The yumminess of life. Exactly. It's, it's really about vitality, where we bring ourselves. And I take a little side trip down, down the, that yumminess of life thing, because uh, we, we planted some chocolate mint in our garden. And uh, 
last year we harvested that mint at roughly that time of year, right? A little bit, a little bit later. We dried some of it and we soaked some of it in olive oil and infused it for three weeks in olive oil. And then you want to make the best brownies ever. Take chocolate mint, pulverize it, stick it inside a Giardelli chocolate, triple chocolate fudge brownie mix. Use the mint oil as the oil for the mix. And then add a handful of the bittersweet chips and a handful of the semi-sweet chips to the mix. You will have the best brownies you've ever had in your entire life. And now I want brownies. (laughs) (laughs) I am the queen of brownies. I am. There's never time to visit this I know. Well, and it's a great, great way to utilize things that you've harvested, right? You know, we're harvesting from our garden and, you know, we, we planted a cherry tree this year. It's not going to fruit until next year, but next year we will, we will uh, have lovely cherries that we will put into our brownies as well. (laughs) That sounds delicious. That's the idea. Yes, we love it. You've reminded me since we're talking about dark, I can only think of dark chocolate. So that brought me to dark. Part of what is happening too is that, um, sorry, Joey, <laughs> this is the beginning of that descent, the descent into the wheel where there's like this reclamation actually of the exiled shadow, right? Where we begin to see that the exiled shadow and we wanting to go deep, deep, deep into the unconscious light. This is the time. I want to define the exiled shadow for people for a minute. So one of the things I hear people talk about a lot is shadow work. And it's like, it's a, it's almost like a badge of courage in the spiritual community. It's like, oh, I've got to go get my shadow work badge, you know? Got to get my shadow on. Mm. That's it, you know? And, and the thing is, is that people tend to, to, especially those of us who've had trauma, uh, we tend to want to dive into the deep end and have no, no concept of our own self-preservation. And so we go diving into shadow work when we're not prepared to do it and then end up either re-traumatizing ourselves or convincing ourselves that we can't get better. And so I just want to say that, that before you go diving into shadow work, make sure you're ready for it. And being ready for it means that you've dealt with your own sense of, of, of safety and you've solidified your sense of self because if you haven't done those things, you are not ready to do shadow work because it will eat you alive. There's a reason you've been running from this shit and it's because you weren't prepared to deal with it. And, and the, the exiled shadow is that part of ourselves that we are not prepared to deal with and that we have therefore exiled from our, our, our beingness in an effort to get rid of it rather than integrate it. Right. And part of what I wanted to say about that in terms of Lamas or Lunasad is part of what some people will do is look at that as something as self-sacrifice, right? What you're talking about really leads into that. And what I want to encourage people to do is actually take this opportunity when we're still at strength of light to shine the light into those unconscious places. This is a good time, especially when we have the light and the heat behind us to hold and support us in doing that. And it's super important to do that. Yeah, it's a great time if you're ready. Right, if you're ready. Yeah. Absolutely. I, don't, I do if not advocate people rushing headlong and unprepared and in many cases unguided because I think that is one of the also danger zones is people dashing in 
thinking that they're going to just sort it themselves when it's very, very hard sometimes to even see that shadow, acknowledge that shadow and know it for what it is. Because it can just feel like self, an integral part of self, when really part of the journey of waking up to all of this stuff, as well as our instinctual nature, which is part of what's very much alive, as especially we're experiencing the fullness and the unfurling of the animal body. It's still warm, right? So we're still feeling into that animal body. There's still some of that vitality and that all that generative stuff that got awakened earlier in the spring, still alive here. It's still summer. It's it's still time for that. And yet, um, you know, we really want to be journeying into the places of self and soul where we're coming into the recognition of wholeness of our humanity and the ways that we impact one another, impact the planet and healing the whole world on that level. So that work is really big. It's really big. Um, and there's another metaphor I would, bring forward too, which is in many of the traditions, this is also the time of medicine making. So if you think about it, a lot of the herbs are ready right now um, in both the Celtic lands, as well as in the native traditions here in uh, North America and whatever native lands we're all on. And we are all on native lands. And I feel it's very important to emphasize that. And this would be the time of bringing those herbs into harvest and preserving them as well. So some people would preserve them in various forms of alcohol. Some would dry them. They would do all, make all sorts of things with them at this time. And so it's also that metaphor of medicine making for ourselves, discovering what is our personal internal medicine, our energetic medicine, our magical medicine, and how can we deepen into that at this time? What is available to us? And right now, the earth gives us almost everything we need truly to survive in its fruitfulness and all the abundance that's coming forth right now. And so part of it for me, thinking about llamas is looking at the gifts I have and then also thinking forward because that's what we you know, try to have good foresight. And so part of that is in the winter, how will this medicine serve me, both the metaphorical medicine as well as the literal physical medicine? And how do I center myself in that so that I'm not caught off guard going forward? And again, that goes back to our safety piece, right? Um, so, you know, being, being not caught off guard is a, is a safety issue. So, so if we're going to do a ritual for this, this holiday, what, what do we do? I would have suggest some fun and simple things. Um, amongst them, definitely. That don't involve making. human sacrifice. Well, I'm going to get there. Actually, it alludes to it. It's the alternative. Oh buckle alter- up. Yeah, buckle up, let it cup. We're going there. So, and so, so let's think of it this way, right? If we think about, again, how they, a lot of the older cultures thought of the land, that they were trying to offer the gods gifts so that they would be receiving in return from the gods what they wished for. And at this time, they wanted to keep the crops safe so they had a good harvest. So very often they would make bread figures, be they animals they wanted to offer, or often we found them as people. And then they would make these dollies and you can see they're beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, woven out of the shafts of wheat or whatever grain, oats too, of these figures. And the native peoples here on this land often made them out of corn and they look like human figures and they would put them in the fields and sometimes they would burn them or they would hang them. They're decorative. They're absolutely beautiful. So you would, you can weave them and always when we're weaving, we can be weaving our intentions, singing our prayers. These are things we can do. So bread baking or weaving of figurines and then off making them as an offering to the gods 
in exchange for fruitful harvest. And many of us also think about it in exchange for the word we partition, right? The way of asking for a blessing. I offer you this sacrifice in hope for your good favor, your blessings. Please give me, gift me with the, the things I want and need. The, the kneading of the bread, speaking as someone who's made a lot of bread in my time, the kneading of the bread is just like the weaving of the, the dollies, right? Where you can push in your intention into the bread with every knead of the bread that you do. So this, of course, requires manual bread making, not... Not a bread box, kids. No nope. machines. Right. But, uh, and yeah. Also to get into the kitchen witchery thing that you know that I love. Look at what your ingredients we did are. We a whole episode. Yes. yes. Look at what your ingredients are. All the ingredients have connection to astrological um, associations. And a, a lot of these grains, and we're getting back, you know, it's a little premature to talk about Demeter. Um, that's more of an autumnal equinox discussion. But we can certainly look at the various gods and goddesses of harvest and wanting to really Think about also energetically, you think about if you're making a spicy bread, right? You're, you're bringing in Mars, you want energy. If you're making a sweet bread, you're bringing in Venus. If you're making certain types of herb breads using anise or fennel, you're bringing in mercury. I mean, because it goes on and on and on. You know, I could talk about it forever. So that's not. Um, the idea, though, is that as we're making our bread or weaving our dollies, again, same thing. We're thinking ahead about what we want. We would leave these offerings in the fields. Put them on our altar, the idea that's very much about that the gods receive our offering energetically. So we leave it on the altar for a period of time, and then either we bring it to the fields or in some cases to a well, as many of the Celts brought things to wells, or some other body of moving water as an offering where the offering could be received. Or we offer various things like some of those dollies to a fire. And again, as Lug is a solar and a fire god, sometimes you would see that. And if it's bread, you could take it out and offer it to the animals of the forest as well. You definitely do. And sometimes the ancestors are receiving that too. So we definitely want to be thinking about and remembering them. So this is also this wonderful opportunity to consider how this way of interacting with the numinous world, with the spirit world, is close at hand that we bring it into our home and our hearth. Because again, bread making would have been a hearth activity. They didn't have the same kind of ovens. It's all at the hearth. And so we're celebrating the home and we might be decorating our home, bringing in um, and drying some maybe of the garlands of the vines, the fruit vines after the fruit has been harvested and making beautiful things out of that, right? So really it can be very simple. Your bread making, you're offering, again, the light. You're celebrating the light, both within and without, as well as acknowledging the dark to come and sacrifice, which is coming. And right now it's easy sacrifice because there's abundance. This gets harder as the year gets darker. And we also see the sacrifice become more substantial when we start to see things move into certainly Samhain, when that would have been between autumn equinox and Samhain, where we have the animal sacrifice, where they're starting to put up the animals, right? It's a very different thing. Very different thing. So a simple ritual would be to make a corn dolly or make a bread and then to ask for what it is that you want as you uh, make your offering. And that is a very simple ritual that anyone can do at 
on their own or in a group. Mm -hmm. And it's festive too, right? And often involves feasting because there is so much abundance and we absolutely, and we want to do the feasting and we're offering our gratitude. It's not, it's not one of the more solemn holidays. It's definitely colorful. It's festive. So there's often a lot of flowers on the altar too right now because flowers are very abundant. You might see people weaving both grain and, uh, you know, the, the beautiful shafts of grain and flowers together along with various uh, plant garlands and greenery and creating more of those kinds of floral crowns. And it's wonderful. Some people make wreaths for their home at this time, the beginning of spring, which we often think of wreaths as just this wintry thing that we see at winter solstice. And yet, no, we can have them at this time too. They're very popular and very, very beautiful. And there's people who make very large wooden ones that then get decorated throughout the entire wheel of the year. And that I've seen, and this is another time where you see a lot of things on it. It's also time to pay attention to the various um, seeds that are in the air, if you think about that too. Like the dandelion seeds are in the air, thistle. Certain trees have already let their seeds go, but the later ones are in the air, um, depending on where you live. So we're remembering that that instinctual body is, is happening. So, well, I, I don't know about you, Joey, but I think we learned a lot. So, so is there anything you want to touch on, Kelly, before we wrap up here? Um, well, I do want to mention that if if this has been fascinating to you, as it has been to me, um, as always, Charlemagne runs the Moon Magic Circle, mm-hmm. the virtual ritual circles that we run online. And uh, those are custom designed to the participants. And right now there aren't that many people in the group. So it is super custom. And it is super, um, I think there's what, like six people, something like that in the group. So um, it's an intimate group. It's a great connection point, And it is a wonderful way if you don't have a lot of ritual available in your area uh, to both learn a lot of, of astrology and a lot of mythology and a lot of the ways in which everything interrelates because if she hasn't proven it this time and every other time she's been on here, she is a wealth of knowledge and she not only understands the individual pieces, but how they fit together. And that is super important to understand the whole worldview concept of how these things work. And so if that's something that is exciting to you, I would encourage you to take a look at kellysparta.com and click on the moon magic circle in the online program section and check her out. It's, it's $99 a month. You get two rituals, two prep sessions of what you're going to do. And you get a entire course at the beginning on ritual basics. So it is fantastic. And I highly encourage you to check that out. With that, uh, I would also ask you guys, please, 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 as the, the ways that numbers have been being calculated in the back end are changing we're we're we're, it looks like we're losing listeners (laughs) that's making me very sad i could use some help from you guys please uh, if you like the podcast um please share the podcast with your friends please tell them about it please post it in different groups that you're in you know post something that's appropriate to something that somebody has said um because it's it's uh it's I, I recognize that it's just the way that the, the numbers are being calculated, but it's it's a little demoralizing <laughs> to, to be doing this for three years and to have the numbers going down. So help me out if you would. 
And uh, we, we would appreciate that. And uh, with that. Uh, Kellyism or. Kellyism. Yes. Um, the things that you are grateful for are the things you will create. Excellent. Well, thank you both. And as always, this has been fantastic. And that is all that we have for this week. But be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I am Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta and Charlemagne Tremont. And you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for having me. Share with a condition Each mile I travel Over 13,000 miles Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under a Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to www.creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up for or get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to www.kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honey Voice Productions, with post-production by Christopher Wright. Into my home and my love and my life.